the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One more look at our children and the covenant of grace as we close the week out here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. And again, welcome to the program. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're continuing our survey of Luke, and we find ourselves in chapter 18 today with a final look at a little mini-series we've gone through this past week called Our Children and the Covenant of Grace. Our God is in deep, deep love with us. He sent His only Son to die on the cross for us. And in that love, he also incorporates a love for our children as well. You see, it's a covenantal love that he extends to us. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. Jesus deals with it here in Luke chapter 18. Join us with a final look as we close the week out on Abounding Grace at Luke chapter 18. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. To deprive those whom he adorns with gifts. To shut out those whom he willingly receives. But if we wish to make an issue of the great difference between baptism and this act of Christ, how much more precious shall we then regard baptism, by which we attest that infants are contained within God's covenant, and then the receiving and embracing and laying on in hands and prayers by which Jesus Christ himself declares both that they are his and they are sanctified by him. Now, how did Jesus apply this parable? Look at verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as little as a little child will by no means enter it. In this saying, we see why Luke linked all these incidents together in chapter 18. Listen, look at the whole chapter. In the first eight verses, we see a faithful God blessing and vindicating His people in answer to their prayers. Faithful covenant keepers. In verses 9 through 14, we see a humble publican with childlike faith being justified by God. In verses 15 through 17, we see Jesus blessing His covenant children and calling upon His hearers to enter into the kingdom of heaven like a little child. And in verses 18 through 27, Jesus tells us about a proud young man who will not enter the kingdom of heaven because he did not and would not enter it as a little child. Now, what does it mean to say that you and I must become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? And boy, has that phrase ever been used and abused. Beloved, it does not mean that we must become childish and playful. Nor does it mean that we must become as innocent as a little child, because the Bible says we were born in sin. 
And in sin did our mothers conceive us. There is no such thing as an innocent child. I know for sure I didn't raise innocent children, and nor did my mother or father. Nor does it mean that we must become humble as a little child. Humble? Have you ever seen a child who wants its milk? It doesn't care whether you have a headache or not, moms. It doesn't care what's going on throughout the house. I want my milk and I want it now. That's what's called self-absorption. Nor does it mean to become as trusting as a little child. I know some of your children, when they were just getting ready to, to know me a little bit, would run away from me because they didn't trust me being a stranger to them. So what does it mean to say that you must become as a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, what is the most obvious characteristic of a little child? It is helpless. It is totally dependent upon its parents. It can't do a thing for itself. If you were to leave it alone, it would die. A little baby is completely helpless and totally dependent upon his parents. Therefore, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you and I must realize our littleness, our complete helplessness to save ourselves, and our total dependence on the sovereign mercy of our God for salvation. Jesus made it clear that the life and salvation of the kingdom of God is entered by repentance and by faith. And he said in Mark 1.14, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. But my friends, we are so helpless and so dependent, we can't even do what the Bible says we have to do in order to be saved. And that is to repent and to believe. We are totally dependent on Him to give us the grace of repentance and the grace of faith. We are totally helpless in and of ourselves. You and I are incapable of producing faith. We're incapable of producing repentance. And if left to ourselves, it would be impossible for us to enter into the kingdom of God and be saved. But we worship a gracious God, a merciful God, and He has not left man to take the first step toward Him, which is impossible. Because Scripture says we are dead in our sin. God not only offers us salvation, but He also enables His people to do what they couldn't do otherwise, and that is to repent and believe in Jesus. Listen, God does not help sinners save themselves. He saves sinners who cannot save themselves. Jesus told the Pharisee in John 3, 3 and following. He said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We are so helpless, so dead in our trespasses and sins, so dependent upon God's almighty grace that we can't even see the kingdom of God. We can't understand it. We can't appreciate its value or its reality until first we have been born of God from above. Much less even enter into it. We cannot enter the kingdom of God by faith and repentance until we have been born of God. You can only enter the kingdom as a little baby, totally helpless. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We are totally dependent upon God's almighty sovereign grace. John 1, 12 and 13 say, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of God. Here John is saying that if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will become God's children. Not because of an act of your will. It is not because of who you are related to. It is not because you made a decision. It says it is because you were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but because you were born of God. And unless you enter as a little baby, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You must recognize and confess your helplessness and dependence and take the stance of the publican. God Be merciful to me, the sinner. I recognize that I am a sinner justly deserving your displeasure and without hope except for your sovereign mercy. Now, let me make a few applications and we'll be finished. You and I must not hesitate to bring our children to Christ from their earliest days to bless them to love them, to save them. Bring them to Christ as soon as they are born. Don't wait until they're eight or nine, or you've probably lost them. Bring them to Christ before they are born. Bring them to Christ before they are conceived. Many of you want to have children in the future. Start praying for them now. Start praying, O Lord, open my womb and cause me to conceive. And may my children be blessed by you from the very moment of existence in my womb. Make them godly, victory-oriented Christians. Then as you're carrying that child, or as your wife is carrying that child, bring it to Christ. Pray before it is born that Christ would bless it in its mother's womb. And when it's born, pray 
Lord, I thank you for bringing this child into the world. And I pray now that you would cause it to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Lord Jesus, bless this child of mine. Bring your children to Christ over and over and over thousands and ten thousands of times throughout their childhood and as adults. And then do the same for their children, your grandchildren. Secondly, we must not be lax in bringing Christ to our children. We must not hesitate to bring our children to Christ, but we must not be lax to bring Christ to our children. And again, from the earliest days, don't wait until they're eight or nine to teach them the things of the Lord. Start teaching them the truth as soon as they are born. When my five children were infants and I would feed them and burp them, I would whisper in their ears, God the Father is your creator. God the Son is your Redeemer. God the Spirit is your Helper. Over and over. And then when they were old enough, I began teaching them the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Pray for your children while they're in the womb and sing hymns to them. Beloved, I am sure they hear your voice. Remember when Mary was pregnant with Jesus? She came to Elizabeth who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary told her the good news of the conception of the Son of God incarnate. And John the Baptist leaped for joy, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That was his response to hearing Mary's preaching of the word to Elizabeth. So don't be lax in bringing Christ to your children from the earliest days, even while they are still in the womb. One good way you can teach them is by teaching them the great hymns of the church. And I'm not talking about little Christian ditties like Jesus loves you, this I know. Teach them the great hymns of the faith. And don't wait until they're five or six. Teach them when they are two or three. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah, oh my soul, Jehovah, praise don't waste time with the ditties and the fluffy praise songs. Teach them the great hymns and the psalms of the church. And when they are older, I guarantee you they will not forget. They will remember. For these will be reminders to them the rest of their life of the great God that they worshipped with their parents. And of even the great doctrines that lift Christ up. And keep us faithful. Teach them from their earliest days. Teach them the shorter catechism. The child's catechism. Which I actually have a couple of sets of on flashcards, beloved, if you'd like them. My five and three-year-old grandsons are learning this child's catechism. You may be saying, but they surely don't understand, so why teach them? First of all, don't be so sure that they do not. My five-year-old grandson understands quite a bit and surprises us often with his responses. Besides that, Pastor John Rissinger said this about teaching our kids the children's catechism. It is like putting wood in the fireplace. 
It is there waiting to catch fire. So don't be lax at bringing Christ to your children. And then don't place any hindrances in the way of your little children coming to Christ. Such as an ungodly life. Or even a negligent life. Or a harsh and unloving life. An unaffectionate life. A broken marriage. Ignorance, unbelief. View and treat your little children as the Lord's children. As those who belong to Christ and who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven as you yourself are. Don't be cruel to them by viewing and treating them as if they are outside the covenant and unblessed by Christ. I recently read the comments of a Presbyterian preacher. Unbelievable. Who was asked one time about covenant children and how he would relate to them. And he said, we should treat the little children of unbelievers as we treat any other enemy of Christ. Can you hear David saying that about his son? Can you hear Abraham talking that way about his children? Those are words of unbelief, my friends. For God says, I will be, not maybe I might be, but I will be to you and your children after you down through their generations, their God for an everlasting covenant. I heard another preacher not too many years ago say, I assume my children are lost until they show signs of salvation. And therefore I will not and must not teach them to say the Lord's Prayer while they are little because God is not their Father until they put their faith in Jesus. And I'll guarantee you if that pastor waited until his children were 10 or 12, they still aren't saying, Our Father which art in heaven. Don't assume your children are lost until you see signs of grace. That's not how you look at yourself, at least most of you. How do we look at ourselves? Even with all of our weaknesses, we assume ourselves saved unless we apostatize or excommunicated from the church. Do the same thing with your children. They stand on the same plane with you before God. God says, I will be a God to you and your children after you down through their generations. Now, if they rebel and are excommunicated, it becomes a different story. But again, remember, even the prodigal son returned. He was a covenant child. So never stop praying for your children. And even if your child is excommunicated, you pray, Lord, please turn his heart back to you. I remember the prodigal son, and I pray you do the same with my child. Never stop praying for your children that bear God's brand of baptism. But on the other hand, don't make the mistake that many liberal Presbyterians do. They take their babies to be baptized by the church, and they feel that covers all the bases. Many of them don't feel they have anything to worry about after that. They have their ticket to eternal heavenly life. So they just let them go with no real instruction. 
and they also foolishly enroll them in government school de-education programs. After all, they've been baptized, and then they wonder why their children are worthless. There is an inseparable connection between the signs of the covenant and faith and the promise of God and obedience to God to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So love your children. Love all our little covenant children here at RHC just as Christ loves them. Don't push them aside. Don't wish they were invisible. Don't treat them as if they are invisible. Don't think that adults are more important. We have a lot of little children here at Archie. Make them feel like they are meaningful members of this family. Let our children, all of them, know you love them. Now, let me take just a couple of moments at this point to encourage you parents of little children to teach your children to respect the worship of our great God. As all of you know, I am committed to have families in our worship service, and that includes most definitely babies and toddlers. But that does not include children who are crying or screaming at the top of their lungs. That's why we have a cry room in the back of the sanctuary. Just take your children there until he or she settles down and then bring them back into the service. And don't make it fun to be in that cry room by bringing toys and coloring books and crayons or they won't want to return to worship. Also, please do not let your children walk around in the pews bothering other members with constant commotion nor allow them to carry on conversation with siblings or with you in their normal speaking voice so that others cannot hear or concentrate on the sermon. They need to know that this is rude and inappropriate while in the presence of God. If they have questions about the sermon, ask them to hold them to the end, and then they can ask me, or they can ask you as a parent. We are called to have order in our worship service out of respect for the king and for others. And if we're going to treat our children as covenant members, they need to learn at a young age how to act in congregational worship. That's why we want them in the worship service. Most of you know that your children bother me very little while I'm preaching. But I'm not out there in one of the pews trying to concentrate on the sermon and focus on Christ. You can train your children at home during family worship to sit still and quietly. This should also not be a time when the children are allowed to interrupt whenever they like to or run around. Parents, you need to use this time of family worship to teach your children to sit quietly and pay attention, even it's for 10 or 15 minutes at a time. Perfection, of course, I'm not expecting. But when your children's activities get to the point of disrupting others around you, they should be removed from the service 
for a short period until they can calm down. They need to learn that there are responsibilities and duties to being covenant children. They must learn early that worship is serious business. It's the most important thing that we do all week. Now, if it seems an impossible task and overwhelming for you, I'm going to plead with you to not hesitate to ask older parents with grown children or some of our single adults to lend you a hand, to sit along beside you and help you. The earlier, beloved, they learn to focus on what is going on here, the sooner they will understand the covenant and the relationship to our triune God, and the quicker they will be able to wield the sword of the Spirit in the advance of God's kingdom. Lastly, don't ever forget what Jesus said about the one and only way to enter the kingdom of God. You and I must become little babies and boldly confess our complete helplessness and our total dependence upon God's sovereign and almighty grace. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.